0: For broadcasting opportunities on Wildfire Radio, go to wildfireradio.com and click Contacts. For advertising opportunities on any of our shows, go to wildfireradio.com and click on Advertise. And remember, for all of your concert and sporting event tickets, go to seatgiant.com and use code WILDFIRE at checkout for a great discount.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Colton Court, your home for what's inside the world of sports when it comes to the legal and business issues. I'm your host, Gerald Colton, and along with Tucker Colton, we'll be speaking about all the things that are going on today in the world of sports, and there's a lot of them. Um, And over the next hour, we will go over a lot of them and what's been happening recently, the whole climate of the sports world right now and um, a little look ahead as well Um, and we will be joined later in the show by former NFL star linebacker Brian Simmons who always lends an interesting perspective on, on issues both on and off the field but
2: good evening Tucker how are you? Good evening glad to be back I know I missed a few shows and I have a lot to catch up on and a lot to talk about today so looking forward to it somehow we carried on
1: without you, but it wasn't quite the same. So lots lots to go over today and and certainly um, uh, a little bit more of a firestorm and hotter topics going on right now because yesterday was week three in the NFL and uh, of the 2017 season and during which we really saw unprecedented things happening and as we look back over the landscape of the last year in the NFL we had a movement gaining momentum it was started originally by Colin Kaepernick and was started very quietly as he did a silent protest initially and sat on the bench during the national anthem for the, while playing for the San Francisco 49ers during exhibition games no one took notice at first and then it got attention after the second or so week and it started to build momentum a couple other guys joined him in his protest, and he, on his own, um, took the initiative to speak with some people. Realized that his sitting on the bench offended some people, and so he then changed it. And, and to me, sort of artfully, took a knee during the national anthem, and a few other people around the league followed suit. On um, this year, Marshawn Lynch was doing things, and uh, it was was sitting down in Oakland. We had Michael Bennett in Seattle, and a few others, but just a handful. And then the President of the United States went on on to say some things in Huntsville, Alabama on Friday night, and they were pretty inflammatory and basically said that NFL owners should fire fire the SOB, and that in his words, he went further um, if so, if somebody doesn't stand for the national anthem. And that just lit a an unbelievable firestorm in the NFL, and we saw players join together and teams take actions in ways we never had, tuck. so So talk about what your observations were yesterday during an NFL day, like no other.
2: Well, as someone growing up went to was fortunate enough to go to a lot of sports games, I've always taken pride in being able to stand for the National Anthem. It's a minute-and-a-half-long song, and it's a moment that happens before any game. You could go to a basketball game, baseball game, whatever it is. They're going to play the National Anthem, and I've always stood for it, very prideful of my country, all the opportunities I've been given by living in America. And yesterday was definitely something crazy as far as... The protests. I've never before heard of teams not even showing up on the field for the anthem. So that in and of itself, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers did it, among a few other teams. I know this Sunday night game that the Raiders, the entire team, was sitting on the bench. Not the entire team, but probably a good majority of the team was sitting on the bench, interlocked arms as the anthem went on, and just not standing for it. So they're definitely expressing themselves the way they want to. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting that, to
1: me, it's just further foolishness uttered out of the White House. But instead of having a divisive effect, it's actually having a unifying effect, at least as far as the players are concerned, because the protests were sporadic. Um, a lot of people did not join in or feel it was appropriate. And now the protest has changed tenor. Initially, Kaepernick starts it to protest, really, the brutal treatment of some african-americans at the hands of police that was his original purpose of his protest Um, whether or not sitting down for the national anthem is the appropriate venue for that and and time to do that kind of protest was part of the debate but we've had albert young one in the past and some other people that felt that at least it got the subject being talked about it started dialogue and it did so and it's probably cost colin kaepernick his career and i will say this You know, look, there's a lot of reasons to probably want to be an NFL owner. One, it means you're a billionaire. But if I were an NFL owner today, I'd probably give Colin Kaepernick a job just because the guy deserves to be employed. Look what he started. And he's the one who's really taking the brunt of it while this has gained so much momentum. But the the protest that was originally what Kaepernick had in mind has changed now because after the comments from the White House and all that has happened from the White House that has been found insulting in the African-American community, in the sports world, Um, now It galvanized the players to really unify, and it became a protest, to
2: me, against Trump. What were your feelings? Yeah, I actually agree with that. And the crazy thing is that the president has become synonymous with the national anthem, which, although he does represent our country, the national anthem represents the people of the country, which, in my opinion, is way bigger than anything else. And for them to be protesting that, in my opinion, I personally don't do it, and I wouldn't do it. Do I understand why they're doing what they're doing? Yes. But as far as the entire protest, I think they are being vocal enough that it's not towards the country and that it's towards the president. Yeah, they, I mean, listen, there, there's a lot of different
1: issues here. We, we are also on... The start of NBA training camps and every NBA training camp kicks off with a media day and that's happening throughout the NBA today. And Greg Popovich, the pretty um, not necessarily most media friendly, but outspoken at times coach of the San Antonio Spurs. He had great things to say, um, speaking of the point of view of of what it's like that white people have an advantage starting off in the country. And here's a guy who's made his living coaching a majority African-American players. And certainly he has a good feel for a lot of what is being expressed now by these athletes and what they are going through and what they're feeling. Myself as a sports agent that's represented mostly African-Americans, I've always been extremely sympathetic to these types of feelings. And it's amazing that our White House has no sympathy whatsoever. And, And what really set this off the most, in my mind, was the fact that after Charlottesville, the the president basically took this neutral position that both the protesters as well as white supremacists were sort of on equal footing. And then yet he wants to tell the NFL that they should fire people. And he calls them SOBs, not even people, doesn't even give them that kind of respect for not standing for the National Anthem.
2: Yeah, and he's... I, I read somewhere that the language that he uses is very important, and I read somewhere that he said something about the white supremacists. He used the term "fine people" of some sort. I'm not sure exactly how, and I don't want to misquote him. But there's a lot of comparison to him calling those white supremacists the "fine people" versus him calling the NFL players the "sob"s that he did, and them choosing to kneel. And it's just and obviously it's totally out of context, but at the same time, it puts it in perspective that maybe things aren't how they seem, and like. Obviously, we can only see the world through our perspective. But if you take a step back and see it how these other people are seeing it, it becomes a much broader picture and you understand a lot more.
1: And hopefully this is really something that can unify, that it doesn't just become a black-white issue. It's deeper than that. This is about what's right versus what's wrong, in my opinion. And I think that most people come down on the same side as these players are um, and probably anti the president's comments. He also, you know, he's never... Out a shortage of what to say. He also tweeted about Steph Curry this week, weekend. And um, it is, has become a tradition over the years, whether right or wrong, that the winning sports teams in the, in the professional sports leagues, and then some other things such as college, the college basketball champion and the college football champion and the Olympic, the Olympic champions and things like that are invited and honored at the White House. Um, it's pretty controversial as to whether some of these athletes want to actually go and, be honored by this president because they don't necessarily respect him or want to be in his company. And so the president tweeted about how, since Steph Curry has indicated some hesitancy about going, that he was rescinding the invitation to the Golden State Warriors, which caused a whole different thing with LeBron coming out and and another firestorm that was just unnecessary and precipitated by an unnecessary comment.
2: Yeah, my favorite thing was there were a few tweets from athletes saying that people always tell them to stick to, to stick to sports, and they were saying he should stick to his politics, and I just thought that was a little bit funny. But as far as the tweeting stuff, I think it's totally unnecessary and uncalled for. First of all, for him to rescind the offer after Stephs already said he wasn't going to come, LeBron even said something about it, that's kind of a joke. And then second of all, there's way better ways to handle that. You don't need to take it to social media like, a 16-year-old kid would do. You can handle it professionally, handle it like the leader of the country should and deal with it in the right way and maybe not get the negative backlash for what he did that he is getting right now. Tucker, you know, it's, a lot of times athletes are
1: it as sort of the dumb jock. And I really have had the privilege of knowing so many and representing so many over my professional career. And for the most part, I find them to be highly, highly intelligent. I don't think you can actually make it without having a great degree of intelligence, whether it be in your sport or on world issues or whatever it might be. And they also have way different experiences than most people. I just find them to be a fascinating group. And I think one of the great things that is coming out of this is that a lot of extremely eloquent players have come forward and expressed their views, and I think it's really
2: gained a lot of respect, and I think it's casting them in a rather good light. Well, I just think that the platform they're on is so valuable, and people always love them for how they play the game, and they love to watch them and admire their talent, but for them to speak the way they do on stuff and support the different groups they do and people from different backgrounds, and they're able to actually connect with their fans through this stuff, and I think there's a lot of value in that. And when LeBron says something about people from an inner city or people of African-American descent and people can rally behind that and that's their favorite player. So it's like a cool thing to be able to personally relate to someone that you admire so much.
1: I mean, after the Steph Curry tweet that the president issues, as well as the Golden State Warriors coming out saying, you know, the invitation has been rescinded, not just at Steph Curry for the whole team. and It takes them out of the uh, sort of the controversy and the awkward position as to whether they go or don't go and who goes and who doesn't. So it's probably best that it came down that way. But LeBron James's tweet was... At the president, he said, "You bum," calling the president a bum, and and I don't disagree with him saying that. It's just amazing that in in 2017, the office's of presidency has been lowered to that level where someone like LeBron James says that, and he said it very well. "You bum," Steph Curry already said he ain't going, so therefore ain't no invite. Going to the White House was a great honor until you showed up, and uh, with him there, apparently the Golden State Warriors aren't going to show up, and I've understood that a few other teams are uh, reconsidering invitations, and it's going to be something. That's has a longer lasting trickle-down effect um, the Patriots went there this year with some controversy which leads me to some other points about this it, it came out this week and it probably was out there before it's just in light of all this stuff going on with the NFL that eight owners contributed at least a million dollars to, to Donald Trump's campaign or inauguration and it gets to the point of um, as to how political influence works that they felt it necessary or in their their best interest for both their probably personal businesses as well as the NFL business because a lot of these things that happen with the NFL wind up in litigation or they need to enjoy their antitrust privileges that they have and so they want to continue to have that influence on the White House on potential court appointments and things like that but when you see that kind of corruption it breeds a bad feeling when their players are being criticized by the president himself yet these owners are supporting the president
2: Yeah, it's definitely a conflict but I mean, players are going to continue to represent their beliefs however they want to, and owners can make whatever decision they want, and I mean, we've watched the first three weeks of the NFL season. The quarterback play hasn't been that great, and that's the starting quarterback, so I can't imagine that Colin Kaepernick's not one of the top 100 quarterbacks in the world, and he's still jobless. I really think that the owners are making it their prerogative to kind of set it up however they want. hold true to their beliefs, even if it's a detriment to their football team.
1: It's really interesting how, you know, some of the owners said, well, we don't want to bring in Colin Kaepernick will be a disruption in the locker room. Right now, he would be such a strong guy to bring in the locker room. They, the players would love, except for the quarterback who lost his job because he got brought in, but the players would love welcoming Colin Kaepernick who started this whole movement into their locker room. And that guy has stood up. Like I said, he was the NFL Player Association, Player of the Week in the, in the uh, community, in week one, and he's not even in the league for the stuff that he's done and the the contributions he's made. Um, By the way, Chris Long of the Eagles was this week's winner, and the reason he was is he donated six weeks of his 16-week salary, six weeks to fund scholarships, and it's just an incredible thing that he's doing, Um, and and it it deserves some sort of mention.
2: Um, And and on top of that, the Kaepernick thing, it was funny. Kaepernick, for the longest time, was the top-selling jersey at over the off season, I know that recently changed, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Well, let's talk about that. And I don't know if this, the, the the information
1: I have, because it's only one day old, it just happened, but yesterday, the Pittsburgh Steelers were one of three teams that chose to stay in the locker room rather than come out onto the field. Actually, they stayed in the tunnel, but they didn't come out on the field for the National Anthem. And if I'm a head coach, that would have been something I, sh- I strongly considered, although I'm really some reaction today and I have a guy on the Steelers that I haven't spoken to about it William Gay who's been a previous guest and I'm curious what it was like for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they stood in that tunnel but one of their players Alejandro Villanueva who's a former uh, member of the military who served three tours of duty in Afghanistan he came out of the tunnel and actually stood outside in front of the other players and uh, at attention with his hand over his heart Um, and, and you know on his own, away from the rest of his teammates. I understand and respect what he did. I'm not sure all the other teammates are gonna feel the same way, and it, it, that that could be divisive.
2: Yeah, it definitely could be divisive in locker room when they lost to a team that they were clearly better than. I'm not saying that has anything to do with it, but just stuff to think about. But even beyond that, it's definitely a matter of your past experiences and beliefs, what you choose to do with the National Anthem, and someone like him who literally put his life on the line for years just to represent the country is going to stand up for the anthem and show his face and stand for everything he believes in, and that's standing for the national anthem, and whether it's with his team, without his team, or whoever it may be. You know, it's it's interesting,
1: Tucker, how the national anthem and the flag do mean different things to different people. But people who serve in the military really, really take it personally. Um, I had the privilege back in 1996, so this goes back a long time, 21 years ago. I was representing Boomer Seitz, and at that point, played as one year in the, for the Arizona Cardinals. And the Cardinals organization used to bring in a guest speaker on Fridays as sort of a motivation to the team. And Senator John McCain, who ultimately ran for president, has been a pretty uh, longstanding, noteworthy senator. He wasn't all that well-known back then in 1996, and I had the privilege of, of being at the Cardinals' practice on a Friday, and he was their speaker that day because he was a senator from Arizona. Um, And he spoke to them about, and he told a very powerful story that I know he told when he was running for president and repeated it. But I'll try to to summarize it really briefly. And he said when he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam, one of the people he was a prisoner with took, they, they would get their mail and other things in these ribbons. And they were often red, white, and blue. He took and collected these ribbons and sewed out of those ribbons a flag into the inside part of his jacket. And each night before they went to bed, he would hold open that jacket and all these prisoners of war from the United States would say the Pledge of Allegiance. And John McCain said how much that meant to them all, sort of being a part of a team every night, and really the the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag meant so much to them. And this going back, he told this story in 1996 is when I heard it, and it happened to him in the early 70s as a prisoner of war. And he said that one night the Vietnamese found this flag, took this person who had it in his jacket outside and beat him badly with all the other prisoners hearing it just outside these thin walls. And when he came back in all bloodied and battered, he got back into his bunk, and John McCain looked over at this, fellow prisoner. And he had a flashlight and it started to sew a new flag into his jacket. And John McCain gave this powerful speech to the Car- to the Arizona Cardinals of teamwork and, you know, and, and really being a great partner and sacrifice. And that was pretty strong to me. And I imagine the flag does represent something really special to some people who really could have lost their lives or fought fought in those types of situations.
2: And that And that's why even in that situation where his team is Taking the action of not showing up for the anthem, he went above and beyond and went out by himself to stand for what he believed in because who knows, he has his time served and who knows if they had a special meeting like that or even just the fact that he fought for his country and he put his life on the line each and every day and he just wants to support what that anthem stands for.
1: And, and also in line with the Pittsburgh Steelers' um Ben Roethlisberger, I know, issued the statement that he regretted not going out yesterday and that he wants to and he's proud to stand for the National Anthem and wants to do that every game the rest of his career. So we'll see going forward what kind of effect this has. But when we mentioned Alejandro Villanueva, it, I'm not sure whether it's just the Pittsburgh Steelers number one selling jersey today or all throughout the NFL. But for his stand in alone yesterday, um, he, as a relatively, not, not completely obscure because he's had he's had some notoriety for his service, but not not the best known Player and alignment became the top-selling jersey today, so there's a lot of people who uh, certainly support what he stood for, as well as um, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that support the rest of the guys in the league for for their stands. We have uh, a surprise guest, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get him because he was in meetings, but... A new star was born yesterday, also during during the games, and um, a player on the Cleveland Browns that I'm very, very proud to represent and super proud of, Jordan Leslie, played his first NFL game yesterday and made his first NFL catch. Welcome to Colton Court, Jordan.
3: Hey, Joe. How you doing?
1: Good. You didn't even know I had this show, so so surprise to you, but we have a lot to talk about, and, and we do a, a sports broadcast podcast every week i'm here with my son tucker colton and we talk about this the business and legal issues but i wanted to have you on today for a bunch of things so thanks for joining us first of all congratulations on your first nfl catch your first nfl game
3: i really appreciate that and
1: hey tucker how you doing jordan so, Jordan, look, there's, there's different ways to make splashes in your first career game. And this is, you, you know, you're not a newcomer to the NFL. It was just the first time to actually dress on a regular season NFL Sunday. This is year three. You spent most of the last two years on different practice squads and finally broke through here and, and got your first NFL regular season game time. So, in your first game, in your first catch, you had the number two highlight of, of the entire sports world on Sports SportsCenter um, Player of the Week. Talk about it.
3: You know, I really feel like it should have been number one, but... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, you know, Odell was always going to win.
1: Well, <laughs> Beckham was a touchdown, and yours was just to the one, but <laughs> go ahead.
3: Exactly. But, uh, you know, it was just, you know, a design fade call, and, you know, I beat the corner on a release, and, uh, you know, Kaija threw a great ball, and I was able to locate it, and, you know, it was a little high, so I kind of put one hand up, and, you know, I, I practice it every day. I practice, and before the games, you know, I just work on all my one-handed catches. So right hand, I'm, you know really confident in it, and so, you know, right with my hand up, you know, I expect to catch
1: the ball. And so, look, maybe it looked like you were expecting to catch it. No one else would have expected you to catch it. It was tight coverage. It was a big play, and it was an unbelievably spectacular way to have your first of what I hope will be very, very many catches. So, But you you joined the NFL for your first game on a very interesting Sunday, Jordan. Um, We've been talking about all the things that happened in light of Trump's foolish comments and sort of the way it... Brought all the players together, and I know uh, the Cleveland Browns had some interesting things on the sidelines. Talk about what occurred in your locker room and the reaction of the players, and what it was like being a part of that.
3: Well, you know, we have a, we have a great leadership in our locker room, and you know, guys like Christian Kirksey, uh, McCourty, people like that. You know, they they came to us and kind of just wanted to hear our, our ideas of you know how we could you know, come together as a unit and come together as a team to, you know, to protest. And, uh, you know, we didn't want to do anything outlandish. We wanted to, you know, the game was the most important thing on that Sunday, and the most important thing was to win. But, you know, we, we took a lot of suggestions, and, you know, several players decided to take a knee. And, uh, you know, I stand by them just because, you know, that, that's family.
1: And what did you do during, do during the National Anthem?
3: Uh, you know, I, I, I stood right next to him with my arm uh, right over, uh, you know, a, a player that, that was right next to me taking a knee. Um, you know, I, I, I thought about taking a knee also, but, you know, I just wanted it was my first game. I just wanted to – you know, I had obviously a lot of jitters, and I just wanted to kind of just start the game.
1: Absolutely. And we're talking to Jordan Leslie, receiver with the Cleveland Browns, who had a spectacular first catch in his debut yesterday. Jordan, you know, it's your first game. You're, you're going out there. Uh, you've played before, of course, did, did tremendously in exhibition games and things. How different was it yesterday, though?
3: I mean, of, of course, you know, leading up to the game, preseason is nice and all, but regular season is different. You know, these, these stats count. I mean, like uh, Coach Saunders always said no one ever remembers the preseason games. It's important for your career and it's important to get established on a team, but you know, by next year no one's gonna remember who they played week three of preseason. And so to, to come out and actually have a regular season game, have an opportunity to you know, put a lot of film on tape and so you know, to go against an opponent, you know, their ones, it was it was great. <laughs> Obviously any player would be a little nervous, but I had a lot of confidence in myself. I know I I put in the work during the week and I know I put in the work, for, you know, my whole life. So I feel like I, I, had, I had a great game. Uh, I got open a lot, and so hopefully, it it leads to a lot more success.
2: Hey, Jordan, what's up? It's Tucker. Um, I have a quick hey, quick, quick question about just mentality of the game. So. I know a uh, a few weeks ago you were working out in Chicago and staying on a couch overnight and then you get a call and you're ready to go and after having such a tremendous preseason I thought you should have been on a team to start the season but whatever it is what it is and how does kind of not being on a team and then getting that call and even your whole career kind of being cut from a few teams and bouncing around how does that kind of fuel your fire or even just motivate you on a day-to-day basis? Oh
3: it definitely motivates me I mean I'm I'm a competitive person I don't think there's many people in the world that are more competitive than me and everyone that's been around me knows that. They know I, I push myself, I work harder than you know, 90% of the people that I know, maybe even 100%. And uh, that's why that's why I say not, not many people I know were surprised that I made that catch because they've seen me do it so many times in practice. They've seen me work on it over and over before games, practice. It, that's what pushes me. And every time everyone's like, oh, I don't understand how you can keep going, I don't understand why you stay late, I just keep imagining you know, being on the field, being successful. And I think about all the times that I've been cut. I've been doubted. I've been told I wasn't good enough. So I've had to, I've had to you know, stay at my brother's house and sleep on the couch. I thought about all those times every time I'm working out. And, you know, it just fuels me to, to keep going, to push, push harder and just be the best that I can be. I mean, at the end of the day, so we're all given different talents. We're all given different abilities. But if I can be the best person that I can be, that's all I can ask.
1: Talking to Jordan Leslie of the Cleveland Browns. Jordan, one thing I like to do with our show is to try to give people a little bit of insight behind the scenes. And just taking you back to coming out of school, you were an undrafted free agent, signed on with Minnesota, never really got a great look in that first training camp. From there. Went to other places. Ultimately, wound up that first season in Atlanta's when uh, their practice squad and then part of their team for last year's training camp. But you've had to have a lot of different tryouts. You've been cut, signed, cut, signed. Um, talk about what it's like to go to those tryouts. When you've been a football player your whole life, you've got a body of work that speaks for itself. But yet you have to come in and audition for teams.
3: No, it's it's, it's real hard, honestly. Um... It's, it's hard to show somebody in an hour or 30 minutes that you should, you deserve to be in the NFL, you deserve to be on their team. I mean, I don't think there's there's any way in 30 minutes to an hour that you could, you could find, you know, something small enough to, to make someone, you know, give give more to the team or add, add some type of ability to any team. And I feel like you have to watch more tape. You have to go over things like that. And I, I feel like more... Often than not, it it comes down to those workouts. How many catches you get during those workouts? And honestly, the hardest thing about going to workouts is, you know, if you perform the same as another player, they're always going to see. Well, you know, he has active stats. Basically, he's, he's been in regular season games. He, he knows what he has to do on the field. You know, me just being in preseason games, a lot of teams frowned upon that. And so you kind of it's kind of the you know the thing you need experience to work, but. The only way you can work is to
1: get experience, Jordan. You said that very well. I have been frustrated personally, as you know, representing you. I love you, and it's not with you, but is with the process and the politics that we've run into. Um, your body of work in the exhibition games this year absolutely should have earned you a spot. And you know what it's like when you come into the league undrafted. You're always battling uphill, and the draft picks get the, the you know the nod over you sometimes, even though you outplay them. So um, to finally get on the field for a regular season game, finally get a regular season paycheck, which I know you're looking forward to. <laughs> It'll be something that now you've right. got now you've got a body of work they can't take away from you.
3: Definitely, definitely. That's that's the biggest thing. And obviously, you know, the, the paycheck was real nice. I was able to fly my mom out and get her, my brother, and uh, some people some tickets to the game. So it, real, it felt really good to have them. Don't there spend
1: with it all right me. away.
3: No, <laughs> like, oh, well, I have to get my mom out. She's my biggest supporter. You know, that's the person I look up to. That's the person that's always had my back. So. You know, she she cries every time I touch the field, and every time I get any catch. So I knew for my regular, my first regular season game, she definitely needed to to, to join me down there.
2: Well, that was a t- j- tear tearjerker yesterday. I'm sure then. Yeah, great catch, and you showed some ups on that catch. And I know you're good uh, childhood friends with Jimmy Butler. Have you ever played him one on one, and who won that game? Wait, it's more than that. Ex-
1: explain the relationship. I mean, he's basically your brother.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I see Jimmy as as my brother. You know, uh, in high school. And him became friends, and he didn't—he didn't really have a place to live, so I invited him over. And it got to the point where I kept asking my mom every day, and then finally I was like, you know, can you just live with us? And my mom, being you know, the big heart, a big heart that she has, she was of course, and she took him in. She ended up, and he ended up, you know, being our family. He go to Christmas parties with us, go to Christmas, get more gifts than everybody. You know, it's just—it just, it's just the, the way that our family is. We just—we just really love him. And uh, my other brother, we also brought in is Jermaine, and uh, he had he just started his own agency also. And so, you know, those two are my brothers. You know, I can call and talk to them about anything. Fantastic. And I definitely am the better basketball player. If that was ever <laughs> well, a question.
1: <laughs> and and that you—that's what you tell me that you could actually take Jimmy, and still could, right?
3: Oh yeah. I mean, if we if we go back to our high school days, uh, I, I have all our records at our high school when it comes to points, assists, all all the things that matter. And you know, I just wasn't blessed with. Six, six height, six seven actually.
1: <laughs> Not bad. Um, we're speaking again with Jordan Leslie and Jordan. So you, you have a tough loss yesterday. Take people through the week of an NFL player. What would you do today?
3: So today is more um, recovery stuff. We'll, we'll start the day with like uh, a pool workout and then light light running. Then we'll watch special teams film. Then go to lunch, and then regular, Then obviously offense will split up, defense will split up. One, while one works out, the other one will watch the film for the game, go over adjustments, corrections, things that we could have done better. Um, and then we'll obviously switch, and then that'll be it for about a Monday. And then Tuesday's off day across the NFL, so you can go in get extra dark workouts out that you have during the week if you want to finish it on that day, or you can do it anytime during the week. And then Wednesday – it's kind of a more up-tempo practice. It's usually we're full pads, and we um, and be there from about 7.30 to 5 o'clock. And then obviously they expect you to watch extra film, get all your recovery modalities, things of that nature. And then uh, Thursday, usually you'll go either shoulder pads or shells, and it'll, it'll be more red zone work. And, it's about, you know, it's about the same time. You'll be there from about 7.30 to 4, maybe 5. And then uh, Fridays are a little – here Fridays are a little more laid back. We go through a lot of walkthroughs, um, you know, just going over the script, making sure we have everything down for the week, make sure, we're, you know, we're perfect on our plays. And then Saturday is kind of like a mock game. We go through our different calls, call out people for special teams, Get everything ready and then Sunday is game day. Sunday is the day we go.
1: Jordan, how hard is it because you mentioned special teams and all different means. How hard is it being responsible for a lot of different positions you have to play multiple special teams and even as a receiver you're in a lot of different positions in the offense. How hard is that?
3: Obviously it's tough. I mean when when you put when you put a uh, playbook in front of anybody, they're going to be kind of shocked of how big the offensive playbook is, even a defensive playbook. And then also knowing, you know, every special team, because you know, every special team has certain plays. Point return has different different returns, kickoff return, different returns. And it, it, it's pretty tough. you got to be pretty smart, and you definitely have to watch your fair share of film to see your opponent and see how they're going to play, see what coverages they're going to use in certain areas, what to look for. I look at corners and, you know, study the corners, how they press. Are they more physical? Are they more handsy? Are they, are they more – uh, more off and kind of let you do what they do and just try to jump. You've got to see how they come out of, come out of their uh, back pedal things of that nature.
1: Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure having you join us, Drew, and I will be talking to you later on tonight and catch up with some other stuff. But thanks for taking time as you were leaving the facility, and congratulations on that first catch. And, and do know you are allowed to use two hands. I just want you to know that.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that, but I feel like one would be a little better.
1: <laughs> it would certainly made a spectacular first catch that uh, that went viral, and it was exciting to see and watch. And uh, long time coming, and I know many, many more to come. So thanks again. Have a good evening. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. I'll talk to you
3: later. See
1: you, Tucker. See you, Jordan. That was Jordan Leslie, new member of the Cleveland Browns, and you know I, I couldn't be prouder of a kid for battling through. He, he's hit so many. Dead ends, brick walls so far in what has seemed like a long two-plus years of being in the NFL because you, you you don't get drafted. You get signed as a free agent by Minnesota, and that goes back now to really two and a half years ago, went through their whole spring, through their training camp, never really got a good look, so there wasn't really a lot of film on him. Then he bounced around a few different workouts, as he just described, and the really hard things, didn't really get a fair shot in Atlanta's training camp last year, finally got the right place where Cleveland promised us he'd get a good look. He did get a decent look, looked spectacular, and they still let him go because they had a lot of old draft picks there. And Finally, after a couple weeks where um, they weren't performing, they brought him in and he showed that he belonged all along, and I think he's going to have a nice long career at this point.
2: Yeah, he's definitely talented enough, but we do talk about it all the time. There's a surplus of talented people out there, and a lot of guys just need that one opportunity. And Thankfully, it had to wait a few weeks. This season, but he got it, made the most of it, and I know he only had that one ball thrown to him and made the catch. And hopefully, he gets many more going forward.
1: And the economics are, are vastly different. You make approximately a hundred thousand a year on the practice squad. Rookie minimum is four hundred fifty-five thousand right now in the National Football League. So he's finally getting a nice paycheck this week, and hopefully for the next uh, thirteen weeks to follow. Um, Tuck, let's go back to some of the other issues we were speaking about. We are on the start of NBA training camps. And we've had a really interesting NBA offseason, probably probably one of the more interesting ones ever, if not the most interesting. And a couple of months since the season ended with Golden State winning the championship against Cleveland, we've had a tremendous amount of player movement and star movement. And we don't always see that. Um, and I think that we have seen so much more so in the NBA over these last few years, and, and it's certainly not going down, the strength of the stars in calling their own moves. And we saw um, Kyrie Irving surprisingly express dissatisfaction in Cleveland and orchestrate, in essence, his own move to a contender, to a great team, a great landing for a guy who's disgruntled. We had... Carmelo Anthony, who has been a lingering, festering thing in New York as to what they're going to do with him, winds up in Oklahoma City, a great, great landing spot for him. So these guys in the NBA who dictate sort of that they want to get out or or their movement, wind up in great situations.
2: In any other sport, they're probably done. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that In a game like basketball, where one guy can probably make the biggest difference in a sport on the court at a given time, that it's the superstars in that sport calling the shots. Whereas football, say a superstar cornerback goes, I want to go to this team. Even Josh Norman a few years ago, he didn't want to sign the franchise tag, wound up going to Washington signing a deal. He he makes a big impact on a game-to-game basis, but it's not a game-changer. Whereas if a LeBron, who when he went back to Cleveland they went from worst to first or whatever in the Eastern Conference so i think that's definitely surprising and with the Carmelo move he had to wave into a trade clause and he ha- happily did so to go to Houston or i'm sorry to go to Oklahoma City and i just saw yesterday that Dwayne Wade uh, accepted a buyout of his contract or bought out his contract some somehow got out of his contract with the Bulls so he he should be a free agent when that that all settles and there was a stat he He's given up about thirty million dollars in his career to play for a better team. When he was with Miami, gave up to go somewhere, and then I think he signed with Miami at one point early in his career to not go somewhere else. Well, it shows his priorities for
1: sure. And I think he probably took even less when they to, to create the room for right. Lebron, LeBron James. He took- but he was able to win two championships through that, and I'm sure it's he made back his money other places in other ways through endorsements through the years he said certainly we don't need to have a collection for Dwayne Wade but that is a lot of money to give up and it shows where his priorities are but um, he the, the actual numbers were of a 23 million dollar deal he was due with the Chicago Bulls this year he took a buyout where he gave up about 8 million dollars so he's still got 15 million from them to go set him free when we talk about the player movement now normally obviously players when they become unrestricted, free agents have the right to move wherever they want. We're seeing players still under contract sort of dictating where they go. And it's just a very, very interesting phenomenon. And as You take it back historically through the sports where they had something called, that was challenged over the years and ultimately led to free agency was what was called the Reserve Clause, which any club who had you had the rights to keep you forever in perpetuity. And player movement didn't start till strikes and lockouts happened, really, in essence, in football until sort of the early 90s when, when, was when they finally achieved it um, and the other sports a little bit earlier. But it's been a long time coming where players could actually move. But now we're seeing in the NBA where they dictate it while still under contract. So it is much more a player's league than the other leagues. The NFL certainly has never really been a player's league. Um, the anonymity of the helmet and the way the NFL keeps things, uh, they're pretty pleased to be able to do that in the quick turnover of careers.
2: It has made for a very exciting offseason. And I know in most NBA cities right now, there's a lot of excitement going into the season, whether it's small storylines or big storylines. There's just stuff to have people talking that there's a more excitement than usual for the always exciting NBA regular season.
1: Well, we're seeing even here in Philadelphia where we're based, um, the Sixers have some pending decisions to make with some of their good young talent as they have had the rise of these guys that have drift, been drafted over the years, and there's a lot, a lot of excitement surrounding the Philadelphia 76ers. But one thing is that Joel Embiid, their star center, who has only played 31 games in the first three seasons of his career, but they were a spectacular 31 games, is now eligible to have an extension of his rookie deal as long as they do it before the start of season on October 16th. So they have a short window left to do so. If not, they can give him a tender. He becomes a restricted free agent, and they have the right to match. So the Sixers aren't in danger of losing Joel Embiid anytime soon. But right now, the negotiations are going on as to whether or not to extend him now, and then at what level.
2: Yeah, and you definitely want your players that are playing for you to be happy with the current situation in and, and football. I know the franchise tag definitely kind of casts some shout, uh, casts some doubt. I'm sorry, shadow doubt on some players in their future. But as far as someone like that, it's definitely complicated since there's always that risk of injury. But at the same time, there's a chance that he becomes the next great big man and eventually a hall of famer. So. A lot of tough decisions to be made. Well, if he's healthy, there's no question as to what
1: his value is. The question is about his health. And it's really hard to have that crystal ball and speculate as to whether or not he will stay healthy. So I think one of the major issues that's going on right now is there is a requirement, the the NBA teams, to insure their top five contracts however the insurance company that does it has the right to reject or not insure about 12 or 13 guys in the league and Joel Embiid would clearly be one of those so i think the sixers are probably trying to find insurance um, and hopefully for them the cost isn't too prohibitive and they get a contract that works out if not again they reserve they will retain his rights i don't see them doing a max deal right now unless they can insure themselves somehow in the future but the biggest problem of course is even if you insure yourselves against what the payment is it's usually about 80 percent of what the contract value would be you still don't get the cap dollars back if he gets hurt so there's a lot of complication and risk involved as the Sixers try to build a championship team
2: and I think there's a lot of elements involved I think last year he was definitely the focal point of that offense the main main guy on that team now there's other pieces involved so we'll have to see how they play together we'll have to see what strengths work with what and what weaknesses don't work together and how er- everyone especially Joel can be used going forward with this roster And we will see. But it's uh, an exciting time of year. It's sort of when all
1: the sports converge. We are towards the latter part now of NHL exhibition games with the start of the season right around the corner. We are underway in football. Baseball's still going with the Placid World Series coming. Now basketball's getting rolling. They'll be starting officially. The the training camps are starting and they'll be officially starting the games in just a couple of weeks. So really good time where all sports converge um, after sort of what Sometimes it can be the dog days of summer where everyone just looks forward to the start a football. Now we'll get everything going pretty much in full motion. And in Philadelphia, that has not had an awful lot to be excited about um, in sports in the professional sports for a while. Uh, the Eagles are off to a two and one start. The Sixers have a lot of momentum. The Fives have a good lung- young nucleus, and hopefully things are turning up for Philadelphia and the sports fans around this area. Um, There's something I want to touch on, Tuck, as we've been talking about Donald Trump and um, the crossover, really, that comes from the White House and politics into the sports world, and we started this show initially to sort of give you an alternative to what happens on the field, to look more at the legal business issues, but I think everybody's talking about the legal business issues now and not a whole lot of what's going on the field. I think the mainstream sports talk shows certainly are as well, because uh, we've gotten in the realm where the story is the politics in a large way, but Donald Trump has a long history history with the national football league in 19 the early 1980s um it officially first season was 1983 uh the united states football league the usfl started what was a spring summer league and it was a good league it was of all these uh, the startups and the, the things that have tried to challenge the other professional sports leagues over the last several decades the usfl was the most entertaining most legitimate and they had players such as reggie white Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, on and on. And the Philadelphia Stars um, won two out of the three championships. The last one they actually won is the Baltimore Stars because they moved down to there. They had lost the Colts, and they felt that that would be a better spot for them to engender fans. But they played at Veterans Stadium. They had a really good team. Back then, the, um, the, the Stars... Always felt they would have actually beaten the Philadelphia Eagles, and they may have. It was the best Eagles ge- generation. And just really, really good players, and a lot of which went on to very good NFL careers. Sean Landetta was a punter for that team. Went on to be uh, an all-decade punter in two successive decades and a champion with the Giants. It was a te- a, a league that really had some good talent, but in in getting that talent, they were losing and bleeding a ton of money. They lost something like two hundred million dollars collectively over their uh, three years of operation. And Donald Trump was the owner of the New Jersey Generals. He spent a fortune to bring in Herschel Walker, um, who was the, the star college running back, and he spent three years in the USFL before going to the NFL. So. He paid Kershaw a ton of money, and he was the face of the New Jersey Generals. And Trump wanted to challenge the NFL. His his real goal, it seemed, was to be absorbed by the NFL and to to merge. Uh, And so... He thought that they should take them on and forget the Spring-Summer League, which was somewhat working because, as you know, there's a little bit of void in sports then. And instead, he wanted to challenge them with a fall league, and he led the charge of the owners suing the National Football League for antitrust to keep them from having one of the networks. And um, And it was an ugly, long lawsuit that um, ultimately the USL won, though. The USFL definitely prevailed. They found that the the... NFL was in violation of antitrust laws, but the jury was really very confused by the way the testimony went. Do you have any idea what they awarded the USFL as damages from the NFL? No idea. Okay. So the, the, the USFL engages in this long legal battle, costly, hundreds of millions of dollars, probably in legal fees, or at least millions of millions of dollars, tens of millions anyway. And they win. They win this antitrust suit. And the jury comes back with a verdict in favor of the United States Football League and awarded them $1. They got one dollar. Now, since it was antitrust... It's something called treble damages apply. So they tripled the award to $3. <laughs> and apparently that check actually still exists. But in the meantime, it bankrupted the league. And all the uh, all the other USF owners always blame Donald Trump for ruining their league. So he has this long standing feud with the NFL. He really does. He tried to become one of them, tried to become a member of them, and sued them and challenged them. Um, and now here we are, 30 plus years later, because in 1986 was when that verdict came down. So 31 years later, now he's in the White House. Who knew? Who could have foreseen that and uh, still causing havoc in the NFL?
2: Yeah, that's definitely something to note, and I'm sure not a lot of people know that, so thank you for that historic fact.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when when your life becomes a history channel and you've seen it all, um, I lived in those black and white times. (laughs) But the Philadelphia Stars were a really entertaining group. We've had, you know, when you go back over time, they had the American Football League for a long time in the NFL, and that ultimately did merge. Uh, And we had the American Basketball Association, which did ultimately merge with the National Basketball Association. And those things both happened. The AFL merger with the NFL happened in the late 60s. Um, The NFL or the NBA merger with the ABA happened in 1976, and you also had the WHA merge with the NHL in 1979, so so there, were, there was precedence for mergers, and uh, that sort of seemed to be what the goal was of the USFL, and, or at least of Donald Trump, and it never quite happened, um, and probably good riddance, because be, it would be awful for him to be one of the NFL owners when all this was going on right now, if he had ever gotten his wish. So, um, because we are on the dawn of... The start of basketball and things like that. You've had the privilege of being both a Phillies bat boy and a Sixers ball boy. So you've stood with these athletes for the national anthems for years. What's your feeling when that happens? When that plays? I mean, you've been in uniform, in a Phillies
2: uniform, standing on that dugout step. I mean, I take great pride and honor that I'm allowed to have those privileged opportunities and work in those work environments and be able to call going to sports game work. So I'm thankful that my country provides that opportunity, and I've always chosen to stand and. It's never crossed my mind to do anything else. I've gone out of my way many times to make sure that I was on the field for the anthem, even if I had other jobs to do or minor tasks. And it's pretty close to game time, so it's like the busiest time of my work. But as far as just respect for the country and respect for everything that I believe the the anthem and the flag itself stands for, I'm all for it and really supportive of the opportunities that I've been given, mainly because of this great country.
1: And and I I know that a lot of players feel that way, and this thing has been quite a, quite a lightning rod. The NBA actually was where I am aware of the first protest was made being made to it, and that was by Abdul Rahim Rauf, who we talked about. Wait, it was the former Chris Jackson, yes, Abdul Rauf, who 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 did the. Um, protest while a member of the Denver Nuggets, and he started by sitting on the bench, then he ultimately went into the tunnel and prayed to not be too much of a distraction, but I know that he was really um, kind of a champion of a cause that his teammates did agree with. Uh, It didn't get a whole lot of momentum back then, and it was a different time from a social media standpoint and political standpoint, and we didn't have a president who came out and spoke against him, but it was a pretty controversial thing back when he played for the the, uh, Denver Nuggets in the 90s.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that instance, and I, I've never heard of it before, but I mean, just seeing this stuff now, I just because I do something, I don't expect other people to feel the same way and have the same feelings about it, so I, I do get that they, they want to do their own thing, but I just hope it's for the right reasons, and the NFL stuff seems like they're doing it for the right reasons, but when it becomes the wrong reasons, and The issue gets even bigger, and then there's internal conflict and other stuff going involved. That's when this becomes a real, real issue, like real issue. Well, Tuck, we're going to see
1: um, more trickle-down effect from this. We saw the NBA players through LeBron James and whatnot supporting the actions of the NFL players. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the NFL the, or in the NBA as we go forward. We saw the first Major League Baseball player take a knee yesterday. Now, in Major League Baseball, it's an interesting makeup of clubs where there's an awful lot of people not born in the United States. In the NBA, it's still the majority. There's still the majority Americans, although we have a lot of Europeans. If an NBA player does something in the NFL, the way the field size is and and um, just the way they stand on the sidelines, it's not quite as center as it will be in the NBA. If the NBA players take take any sort of action, it'll be
2: really big. Yeah, they're standing right across the, on the court across from each other at the foul line extended. And the thing about the NBA, and they said it on the NBC broadcast, that the Raiders didn't want to take the field last night. But the anthem, the way it works, it was after the coin toss. So they had to be on the field in order to do the coin toss and choose which side. And it would have been a penalty if they weren't. And with the NBA, the anthem is just before the starting lineup announcements. So it's after the shoot-around. And football teams come out, anthem, coin toss game. That's how it usually goes. So what the Steelers did is they came out after the anthem before the coin toss. In the NBA, you come out with about 18 minutes on the clock shoot around, at zero, that's when the anthem goes off. So you're already on the court. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward and if at all there are any protests. Yeah, well, we we will will see that. We're going to be
1: joined momentarily by Brian Simmons, um, former Cincinnati Bengal. He's finishing up his football practice down in Orlando, Florida, where he coaches now, and he's going to be calling us in in just a minute. Um, But all these things – are, you know, having an effect on other sports. So we saw some NASCAR owners issue statements that they would fire anybody who doesn't stand for it. And unfortunately, to some extent, you know, that conjures up the same stereotypes in your mind that may be the cause of all this in the first place, that NASCAR is sort of that old white boy network, redneck a little bit, and these guys are coming out very forcefully. And that is, to me, quite in contrast to the issues, the awful statements being issued by the president.
2: Yeah, I totally agree on that. People are always going to see it different ways, so you can only stick to what you believe in and try and understand as much as you can. Well, we have 10 minutes left on Colton Court, and in that time, we're going to be
1: joined by one of our favorite guests, Brian Simmons, calling calling in from Orlando, Florida. We just finished football practice. Welcome, Brian.
0: How you doing, Gerald?
2: I'm good. I'm here with Tucker Colton.
0: How you doing, Brian? What's going on, Tuck? How you doing, brother? Pretty good.
2: How about yourself? Bri. I'm doing
0: good, man. Just finished up practice.
1: Bri, you spent basically a decade in the National Football League and before that um, played at North Carolina. Uh, You were part of a lot of locker rooms and a lot of national anthems. You ever see anything like what's going on in the NFL right now?
0: No, it's it's, it's something different. I mean, I think part of it, social media has changed the climate and how engaged people get in different issues, not just this one. But... um, no, this is definitely different than anything I've I experienced as a player.
1: So let's talk about because I, w- I want I want your impressions and your feelings on it. You always have such good observations. If you were a player today, what do you think you would do?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I I don't know what I would have done in the beginning, but I know once President Trump made the statements that he made, I definitely would have been. A player that would have uh, um, used that opportunity in some kind of way, whether it was standing in the locker room, taking a knee, sitting on the bench, or uh, something to you know to protest what he's saying. And 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 you know, one thing. I, let's get one thing out of the way. From the beginning, Colin Kaepernick had said exactly what his protest was about. Now, other people want to say that regardless of what he say, it's about this or it's about that. He made it clear from the beginning; it is not about that. So I, I just I, it, it bothers me that that people turn this into something that is totally not.
1: Well, there's no question about that, Brian. But but part of it is now this protest is really almost an anti-Trump protest, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Starting starting Saturday night when he made the comment that he made when he called you know when he called all NFL players basically that that took a knee a SOB, then it definitely became more about uh, a a Trump protest than it did about the original cause that Kaepernick Kaepernick took up.
1: I'm curious, Brian, as you are color analyst for North Carolina Tar Heel Football, if you think this is gonna have any trickle down to colleges?
0: I, I don't think so in a major way, Gerald, just because there is a different mindset in college the institution the college coach has so much control over the players and um so therefore they have a lot of leverage and say so on what players can do what they can't do and if they do um engage in an act that the coach being you know not not responsible or, or that he doesn't like the punishment can be pretty broad-ranging you know so i think it's just too much leverage that college Inst- institution has and the coaches
1: have. Okay, and and it makes sense, and it's hard to uh, put yourself out there when you're still a college player, and you ultimately want to get to the National Football yeah. League and maybe get labeled a certain yeah. way. But by the same token, um, this right. thing this thing is going to gain continuous momentum and and have cross sports impact as yeah. well.
0: Absolutely, and and that's but that's part of the reason why a lot of the pro players are doing it because the college and i'm not saying they're doing it because the college players can't do it but a lot of think about your experiences when you are 17 18 through 21 22 and that's where a lot of these kids you know that that grow up in certain areas or even when you're in college that um you know different run-ins with the police or just so i i think i told you this story one time when me and shakio first got to Cincinnati. It was probably a week or so after we broke training camp. We had, it was our first Tuesday off. He and I left the stadium. We drove to the mall, which was about a 20-minute drive. We went into the mall, walked around the mall probably an hour or so, came back out. As soon as we hit the highway, we got pulled over by two cops. And they told us, you know, at the time we didn't really think a lot of it, but they told us explicitly the reason they stopped us was because we had out-of-state tags, and obviously both of us were first-round picks, so we had nice vehicles. And they said that it's a lot of drugs that get ran on 75, and they, and that's the reason why they stopped. Wow. So I don't know what at what point they began following us, but at whatever point they began following us, they stayed in the parking lot for at least an hour until we came out. They had no other reason. They didn't pull us over for a tail light out. They didn't pull us over for parking. They pulled us over because it was two young black kids or young men in nice vehicles that had out-of-state tags.
1: That's a scary story, Brian, and one that um, I think Greg Popovich, I don't know if you heard his comments today, but the kind of stuff he was kind of alluding to, saying you don't realize the privilege you have being white in America. You, you start white like a 100-yard America. white race at the 50-yard line, um, and, because I don't think a lot of people can relate to that story you just told because they haven't had it happen to them. I had, you, you know, Anthony Henry, right. a player I represented for years. When, when my kids were young, he was here, and I won't mention this specific town because it still bothers me when I drive through there, but driving my Lexus through a mm-hmm. part of town where I go, where I went every day, but Anthony Henry was sitting in the, in the front seat, a young African-American man, and we got pulled over and, um, you know, that, that old DWB is a, is a real thing. It's a real thing, yeah. and you experienced it.
0: it is. No, it, 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 and and that's the thing about it. Like, people think it's just a calling card, call, but it is a real thing, and it's, and it's a legitimate thing, and if you don't, and if, and if something is never an issue with it, with you know, if, you, if you're a person, most likely a white male, you've never faced racism. So you don't understand it and, it, and it doesn't make you a bad person per se, but when someone tells you that this is racism and they tell you, then I just don't understand why you would criticize a person for expressing their feelings or what their life experience is.
2: So as someone like yourself, who was always high-energy guy and very professional about everything, before the game is obviously a time where you're kind of amped up, ready to go. Do you think that these protests have any effects on the mentality of these guys? Whether it get, gets them more amped up and more ready to go, or kind of takes away from some of the preparation?
0: No, I, I don't think so. I mean, they, you know, at that point, you know, these guys are focused on 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 their job that they have for the next three and a half, four hours, whatever it may be. And you know, this, you know, two, three minutes of um. whether you're kneeling, sitting, um, whatever, it, it doesn't throw those guys off. And if these are highly trained professionals, as you know, tough, you've been around it your whole life. So, you know, the, these guys are trained both physically and mentally.
1: Brian, we're talking with Brian Simmons, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, briefly of the New Orleans Saints from University of North Carolina. And and Brian, you um, uh as we go forward, where do you see this thing going? Where can we, where can the players and we effectuate change? Uh, from my standpoint, it's such an awful thing, but I, but I think a lot of times out of awful things, positives come. And I think this kind of dialogue and, and the NFL players binding together is a positive. Where can we go with it to, to really effectuate change?
0: I don't, well, the first part of it, like, where where would this go? Who, who knows how long this thing will linger off and, you know, linger on and, and carry on. But I, I think the one good thing about it is I think more guys are becoming more socially aware and socially active and speaking out on issues, whether it's this or um, drug abuse or whatever it may be, but any social issue that guys feel – connected to or, or, or that has affected them in their lives, I think guys are becoming more active in that so I think that is the one major positive that will come out of all
1: the this. Well, Brian, it's interesting. We went from about a handful of guys, maybe 10 at most, doing some sort of protest during the National Anthem to, I think, over 200 now. <laughs> so uh, all, all, much, it t- all it took was, were his stupid comments. And that's why I'm going to have you you take part yeah. in a regular weekly segment. We do a, a guilty, not guilty in Colton Court. And today on trial is Donald bro. Trump. And it's a pretty easy one, but but I'll, I'll throw it to you. So is the President of the United States... Guilty or not guilty for being a dumbass?
0: <laughs> Is that the only charge he's with? He well, we right could right,
1: listen. There's a whole list of charges. You pick a charge.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was gonna be. I thought the charge list was gonna be a lot longer than that. No, <laughs> I mean, that whether it's, you know, whether it's trial by judge or jury, he's guilty with that one, no doubt.
1: No doubt. And, uh, you know, on a day where we had the best NFL football in a long time or a day after, everybody's just talking right. about the national anthem and, and his comments, and that is unfortunate. But it's, I do want to touch on real quickly because yeah. following your playing career, you were scout with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a while. The team you helped put together is, uh, is making some noise. Yeah,
0: they are. I mean, they, you know, week one, week three – so I guess it's the odd weeks that they uh, you know, they look really good. You know, they had a they had a hiccup against Tennessee, so you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can follow up that big win last week with another positive step. Um but, you know, it, that's a talented football team. I mean, especially on defense. I mean they they are legit. And last year the only the only thing that kept them from being a very, very good defense versus just being a defense that was solid statistically was one, they, they, the sack numbers were low than you would want from a great defense, and they didn't turn people over. Well, right now they're doing both of those things. So if they continue that, they're going to be hard to deal with.
1: That's good. I'm sure you've got a little bit of a good feeling about that, having been there for, for a while and, and watched those draft picks mm-hmm. for him. Um, listen, I'm going to let you go and get home to your family after practice. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Um, I, I know you, we, you and I have spoken about these kind of things often over the years, and I always appreciate your perspective. Yes, I
0: always I appreciate you having me on.
1: Thanks. We'll talk soon, buddy. Best of the family. That was Brian Simmons, former star linebacker, first-round pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, finished his career briefly in New Orleans and was a star, All-American in North Carolina. Anyway, Tucker, it's been an interesting hour talking mostly about the Donald Trump comments that led to the protests across the league and we're going to continue to monitor to that because I think we're really still at the tip of the iceberg.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what comes of these next few weeks and then especially once this NBA season, even the preseason starts up and how that uh, that turns out. Yeah, I mean, in, in the
1: hockey world, there's so many Canadians and Europeans, um, you're on ice and not, and there's just a the few guys take the, t- take the ice for the national anthem that are going to start. Um, I don't envision things happening there, but we'll see. This thing's gaining momentum and, um, you never know what's going to be tweeted out of the White House these days. But thanks for joining us for this hour. Uh, we also were joined by Jordan Leslie, the newest member of the Cleveland Browns with a spectacular debut yesterday. We will be back. Next Monday and every Monday, talking the legal issues and business issues in the world of sports. For Tucker Colton, I'm Gerald Colton. Saying, "Courts adjourn."